This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. Recent CDC statistics show a decrease in overdose deaths, but authorities face an uphill challenge in stemming the flow of fentanyl into the state. It's not a situation that we can arrest our way out of. We rely heavily on teamwork with local and state leaders, our partners in law enforcement. That story and more this West Virginia Morning. Governor Jim Justice continued his campaign against Amendment 2 with a stop Monday afternoon in Beckley. Randy Yowie has more. Calling his campaign a community conversation on his proposed personal income tax cut, Justice met with constituents at Beckley's Word Park, publicly arguing against the amendment that would give the legislature the authority to eliminate property taxes. He continued voicing his themes that cutting the business and inventory tax would cripple county government services and give the legislature too much power over counties. He said his proposed income tax will bring new workers in, not help out-of-state corporations. The very best way under the sun to have population growth is a growth is a personal income tax. The pro-Amendment 2 leader, Senate President Craig Blair, has touted the fact that his Berkeley County is one of the few endorsing the amendment. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Randy Yowie in Charleston. Justice has announced he will have a community conversation on Tuesday in Charleston. FEMA has extended the deadline for Eastern Kentucky residents to apply for aid. Eric Douglas has more. The original deadline was about to expire, but now the Federal Emergency Management Agency has extended the deadline to October 28th for Eastern Kentucky homeowners and renters to apply for aid. Thirteen counties in the region were declared federal disasters and qualified for assistance after the late July floods. Residents can apply for rental assistance, lodging reimbursement, home repair, and replacement assistance. FEMA grants do not have to be repaid. The assistance is non-taxable and will not affect eligibility for Social Security, Medicaid, or other benefits. Flooding in the region lasted several days, but on July 29th, President Joe Biden declared the region a federal disaster. To apply for aid, you can call 800-621-3362 or visit disasterassistance.gov. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Eric Douglas in Charleston. Coal miners and companies are especially interested in part of the recent Inflation Reduction Act. It puts a permanent tax on coal to pay for an incurable disease called black lung that's affecting more and more miners. Justin Hicks with the Ohio Valley Resource reports minor advocates are celebrating, but the coal industry says it's unfairly targets mining company. A bright blue and white RV, all gustied up in larger-than-life portraits of coal miners, sits smack in the middle of the parking lot in Hazard, Kentucky. Hey, this is Niosh. Here's our mobile guy. Come to us. It's your program. It's your truck. That's Christopher Parker with the National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health. He's talking to coal miners, and he wants them to get tested for black lung. The inside of the RV is basically a tiny doctor's office set up to do just that. So we take it all around the country. Uh, we unfortunately had to pause for the past few years because of COVID-19, and that's three years that miners may not have had you know, notification that they're developing black lung. NIOSH says about half of all black lung diagnoses come from this mobile unit. Any of the miners who do get diagnosed with black lung might be eligible to use a medical fund created from taxes on coal. It's called the Black Lung Disability Trust Fund and pays miners who are too sick to work or need help with doctor's bills. 
But there's an interesting rule about the coal tax that finances it. The rate wasn't set in stone. Most years, the highest it went to was $1.10 per ton. But sometimes Congress wouldn't renew the tax rate, and it would drop by about half. Courtney Rhodes says that all changed with the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act. We were pushing for a 10-year extension, and so to see a permanent extension with the realization that the words excise tax never have to leave my mouth again is very exciting. (laughs) Rhodes works with the Appalachian Citizens Law Center. Thanks to the Inflation Reduction Act, the tax on coal is now permanent. No more automatic reductions if Congress doesn't revisit the tax. And Rhodes says that's a big deal for black lung advocates. The money side of it is so little, but the health benefits that come from someone having black lung benefits are absolutely needed. Now, the coal industry is against this tax and pretty much everything in the Inflation Reduction Act. They say they support the concept of coal miners getting help for black lung disease, but they balk at how tens of millions each year wind up going to federal agencies to manage it. Here's Mike Cope president of the Ohio Coal Association. We think we've paid more than our share of it and that the fund itself has been run very, very sloppily. There's huge administrative fees in the thing that peel off a lot of money and it doesn't do us any good to um, increase a fee that we've been paying for years. Cope also argues that in the long run, other provisions of the act which promote renewable energies will hurt coal mining, meaning less tax. There's no coordination. And, and again, when you knock down our industry, that reduces the number of dollars going into that fund. That's one thing coal companies and labor unions agree on. Phil Smith with the United Mine Workers of America says the union is excited for the permanent tax. But he worries a future with less coal puts the fund in jeopardy. So where does that leave us with respect to the money that's going into this fund? We have to figure out different ways to finance this fund. Smith also points out the Black Lung Disability Trust Fund is already massively in debt, and a permanent tax probably won't be enough at this point to balance the books. And if that happens... Benefits don't get cut. They continue to get paid, but it's the taxpayers who pick up the burden instead of the coal companies. He says with rising cases of Black Lung, Congress needs to figure out new ways to finance payments to miners. That's as advocates gear up for their next fight, an increase in benefit amounts to keep up with inflation. For the Ohio Valley Resource, I'm Justin Hicks. This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. It's 7.50. Scattered rain possible in the north today. Otherwise, mostly sunny and breezy. High temperatures in the 50s and 60s. Tonight, partly cloudy skies with lows in the 30s and 40s. Tomorrow, cloudy in the north with a slight chance of rain becoming mostly sunny. Highs in the 50s and 60s. Support for WVPB is provided by the West Virginia Division of Rehabilitation Services, providing consumer-driven vocational solutions to help people with disabilities get or keep a job. Vocational services at wvdrs.org. Addiction has taken a very public toll on West Virginia. Recent CDC statistics show a decrease in overdose deaths. But as Caroline McGregor reports, authorities face an uphill challenge in stemming the flow of fentanyl into the state. 
From its original intended use as a narcotic for severe pain in cancer patients, the controlled substance fentanyl is being exploited at an alarming rate. Anne Milgram with the U.S. Drug Enforcement Administration said the number of mass overdose events, which are characterized as three or more overdoses within a close range of time at the same location, has increased. Fentanyl is 100 times more potent than morphine and 50 times more potent than heroin. According to the DEA, just two milligrams can lead to death when used with alcohol or illicit drugs like heroin or cocaine. Synthetic opioids and their precursors are produced in countries like China and Mexico before making their way into the U.S. According to the DEA, 42% of pills tested in DEA labs contained at least two milligrams of fentanyl. During his visit to West Virginia in August, White House Director of National Drug Control Policy, Dr. Rahul Gupta, said one American loses their life to drugs every five minutes. Not only do we see fentanyl, meth, cocaine, but we also have Pandora's box has been opened because literally you can create any number of combinations if you have creative uh, chemists sitting in the lab. Fentanyl use has now become so widespread that the CDC issued an advisory on its health alert network warning public health departments, first responders and others about an increase in overdose deaths and the need for bystanders to have access to the life-saving medication naloxone. The medicine works by reversing an overdose by blocking the effects of opiates on the brain and restoring breathing. Stronger opioids like fentanyl can take more than one dose. J.T. Scroggs is the special agent in charge of the United States Drug Enforcement Administration's Louisville Field Division. In his role, he oversees all of West Virginia. He said narcotics and fake pills are more readily available than ever before. It's not a situation that we can arrest our way out of. We rely heavily on teamwork with local and state leaders, our partners in law enforcement. We have great relationships with you know a lot of the police departments around here, Charleston, Huntington, uh, you know the sheriff's department. Drug traffickers use fentanyl to drive addiction by mixing it with other illicit drugs. The DEA is seeing fentanyl in street drugs as well as in the new surge of counterfeit prescription pills. The chemical hits the market under the guise of prescribed medications like Adderall, Xanax and Oxycodone. Scroggs said most overdose victims are unaware they've ingested fentanyl until it's too late. The fake pills are, are coming out to look and resemble the other ones. So most of the time when people purchase the pills, even though it's illegal and it's illicit, they, they don't think they're buying fentanyl. They're not intentionally looking for fentanyl. Scroggs said the majority of counterfeit pills resemble 30 milligram oxycodone pills, but can closely mimic other drugs and prescription medications. He explained that Mexican cartels are producing meth and fentanyl in record amounts, flooding the U.S. market. Drug trafficking organizations are targeting kids and teens with rainbow fentanyl, counterfeit pills in a variety of shapes and bright colors. They think they're buying something else. And the problem with the pills are, you know, we, like we said, two milligrams of fentanyl can be fatal. If they survive, the high and the rush is so great that they will go back again. For the profit-driven trafficker, deaths from overdose are simply the cost of doing business. Scroggs says the money to be made is the driving force behind newer mixes of drugs hitting the market. They could care less if you get addicted or you don't get addicted or you, you survive or you don't survive. They're preying on the vulnerable people. Fentanyl is cheaper to make than heroin. The end price for a kilogram of fentanyl a few years ago was around $5,000. Today, Scroggs says a kilogram of fentanyl can be turned into 500,000 pills with a profit of $1.5 million. 
In comparison, a kilogram of heroin is worth around $65,000. The drugs typically reach the West Virginia market through smaller independent operations and local distributors. West Virginia would be classified as an end-user state from the point that typically we're not supplying narcotics to any other organizations or areas. So a lot of what we see in West Virginia is coming from out of state. Metropolitan areas like Columbus, Cleveland, Detroit, Chicago, Atlanta and Baltimore are considered major drug corridors to the state. The DEA identifies distributors and traffickers through tips and informants. The organization uses other investigative methods but has recently reassessed its approach as drug cartels become savvier. Investigations at the federal level target the source of the supply to dismantle drug trafficking and money laundering organizations. The agency works with the U.S. Attorney General's office as well as federal, state and local authorities. With the advent of social media and increased use of the Internet, Scrogg said drug dealers have a captured audience, particularly the younger generation who can readily access illicit drugs on their phones. The DEA's One Pill Can Kill campaign, in partnership with the substance misuse prevention program Game Changer, is making a difference. Game Changer founder Joseph Bocek said educating kids, teachers and parents about the risks of ordering illicit and counterfeit drugs online is key. Our youth, who are heavy users of social media and internet, have developed even a lingo of how to track where drugs are. And the bad guys, the drug dealers, are gone, although they're still on the street corners, they're also in a corporate office building on computers filling orders for illegal drugs. With the drug trade now considered a high-tech business, Bocek said the kids are taught that only prescribed medication dispensed by a registered pharmacist is safe. These kids are finding ways to get that, and Adderall, which is a concentration drug, which is used successfully for ADHD when prescribed by doctors, the bottom line is they uh, are using this to buy Adderall on the Internet that is um, laced with fentanyl, potentially. So they're playing Russian roulette because these kids cannot tell when they get this stuff whether it's uh, fentanyl or not. DEA efforts to stop fentanyl and its precursor chemicals crossing U.S. borders relies on cooperation at all levels. In August, a U.S. congressional report criticized poor cooperation from Chinese authorities to curb increasingly sophisticated forms of fentanyl and its precursors from being shipped to the U.S. With tensions between the two countries at a high, it remains to be seen if that cooperation will improve. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Caroline McGregor in Charleston. West Virginia Morning is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting, which is solely responsible for its content. You can keep up with the latest West Virginia news throughout the day on our website, wvpublic.org. Support for our news bureaus comes from West Virginia University, Concord University, and Shepherd University. West Virginia Morning is produced with help from Bill Lynch, Caroline McGregor, Curtis Tate, Chris Schultz, David Adkins, Eric Douglas, Jessica Lilly, Liz McCormick, Randy Yoey, and Shepard Snyder. Eric Douglas is our news director, and he produced today's show. I'm your host, Teresa Wills. This is West Virginia Morning.